be here chatting about motivation tonight because I think it's just a really, it's an interesting thing that is always affecting us and especially as we're going into potentially, you know, a bit of competitive season again. <laughs> Can I, you just give me permission to record please? Oh gosh, good catch. <laughs> yes, well done. I like it. Don't want to miss the recording. Okay, uh, allowed to record. Thank you. And you're going to get that horrible message as well. This meeting is being recorded. Perfect. So, yeah, so as we're moving into, you know, competition phase um, of the year and potentially for some of the first time in a while slash being able to get back to, you know, different levels of training. Um, it's just really interesting to, to consider how our motivation or energy is going to be affecting us through this. So, so let's dive on in. As always, guys, if there's any questions, feel free to interrupt me as we go. Love being interrupted. Um, we'll always have a little chat at the end um, about any questions that come up then. And I'll be asking you guys some questions as we go, too. Okay. So motivation is, is actually a really complicated topic. There is a huge amount of research nowadays that goes into understanding how to motivate humans, right? If you think about it, um, you know, product companies want to figure out how to motivate us to buy their products. Um, you know, work, all, all different employers want to know how to employ or motivate their employees better. From a sport context, we all want to know how do we motivate ourselves to work harder, to be more dedicated, to get more done, all that stuff. So there's, there's a huge amount of research that's gone into it. And so what we know now is actually um, fairly detailed, but a lot of that detail isn't uh, isn't really the, the meaty stuff. It's not the stuff that's really going to make a difference. So what, what we're going to look at tonight is I think what I consider anyways to be the real need to knows about motivation that help us just keep moving consistently because we know it's really that consistent action, just working at something consistently that really ultimately leads to growth and development and success in that area. So we're really going to look at unraveling three myths around motivation as a theme to pull us through our chat tonight, because there are three really common myths that uh, get in the way of us using motivation as the resource it can be, and can sometimes get us hung up feeling guilty and ashamed of ourselves when we feel like that motivation is present and we feel like we should be motivated um, and all that that says about us. So number one motivation myth is that motivation is a trait. So you can be naturally more motivated than somebody else. So I'd love to hear you guys from you guys in the chat. Um, at any point, or maybe still now, have you heard of this idea that motivation is something you're kind of born with? Um, is that something you've come across in your life? This idea that, you know, you know, Sally over here is a really motivated individual. She's got all this natural motivation, but you know, Sarah over here, she's not very motivated. She's always struggled with motivation and that's, oh, okay. Um, sorry about that guys. I'm not sure what just happened there. I'm gonna just pull down my slides and restart. So this idea that motivation is something that's like inherent in us and it's, um, you know, almost part of our personality. <laughs> That's funny that Natalia, yeah. you're so lucky you're really motivated. Interesting, right? Like, so they're seeing it as something that just comes to you naturally, right? And do you mind if I ask Natalie, do you feel like you're actually motivated all the time? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. So often, you know, people can seem really motivated. And so we can look at other people and say, geez, they're getting a lot done. They're taking action a lot. They're working really hard. So therefore, they must be motivated all the time. 
Therefore, they've got something, some secret sauce, right, that I don't have because I don't seem to be getting as much done. Therefore, I'm not as naturally motivated. So the danger in this myth is that if we lump ourselves into the not naturally motivated category, it can cause us to not really work on our motivation or to accept a, a lack of action on our part, to accept that we're just the person who doesn't work that hard at things or that doesn't keep going when things get tough. Um, Hannah saying, yeah, lack of motivation and attention was all over my school reports. Interesting, hey? So that was a teacher making an outside assessment of actually how you were feeling internally. So motivation is a feeling of how much we want to do something, which is interesting too, because that teacher had no way to know how motivated you actually were. So they were make, assigning a label based on what they were seeing you do. And maybe that had an impact on you, right? Maybe that impacted you to grow up thinking of yourself as someone who wasn't great at attention or motivation. Yeah, so it's really interesting when we dig into this, how prevalent it is in our culture to sort of think about motivation as something that is kind of, or not be naturally uh, developed in someone. So in order to really break down this myth, we need to look at what motivation actually is. So motivation at its core is a process that our brain has come up with to get us to do the things that we need to do to stay alive. So we will always be naturally motivated to eat because we need calories. We'll always be naturally motivated to drink. We need that too. We'll always be naturally motivated to sleep when we're tired because we need that for survival. And we also have a natural motivation to protect ourselves. So we're, we, you know, we'll, we'll run away or, or that, that threat response that we've talked about right in other workshops, that fear response usually occurs spontaneously. So motivation is uh, our brain's way of getting us to do the stuff that we need to do to survive. And those things are actually pretty simple. They're eat, sleep, drink, and protect ourselves. And all that type of motivation, that will always occur spontaneously. It will always occur when we need it naturally. It will always be there when we need it. We'll always be hungry when we need to eat. We'll always be thirsty, tired, etc. The problem is that a lot of the stuff that we want to do in our lives, like jump cool animals over giant uh, obstacles, has nothing to do with our survival at all, right? In fact, our brain could make the argument that it'd be better for our survival not to engage in such pursuits. <laughs> so we have this conundrum where we expect ourselves to be naturally motivated to do things like uh, work towards this type of a goal, competing with horse, or tour. Another example would be, you know, we expect ourselves to be naturally motivated to work hard in our careers all the time. Um, or be, to be naturally motivated to learn new habits and, and develop new skills. But we actually can't expect that of ourselves because the only time that motivation occurs naturally, spontaneously, 100% of the time is when it's linked to our survival. So in reality, motivation is really a spectrum, and we all just kind of move up and down this spectrum based off of what we're doing and what the context is and a bunch of different factors that are going on. So down on one end, we have no motivation, which just basically means we have no desire to do that thing at all. Could not be bothered. We don't want to do it. Right up on the other end of the spectrum is when we actually love something so much and we love what we're doing in that moment so much that we don't feel like we need to motivate ourselves to do it. We just want to do it. It just seems like the most obvious thing in the world to us to do that thing. And for a lot of us, we live 
at or near that place around our riding a lot of the time because we love, we do, you know, the reason we're equestrian athletes is because we really intrinsically love riding horses. But it's not realistic for us to expect ourselves to be in that, uh, that extreme end of the spectrum all the time. And so in between these two polar extremes, we have this whole range of different, of different um, things that are driving our behavior. And those can all be summed up in what we call intrinsic or external motivation. So when we love something, we call it intrinsic and it's internal. We're just doing it because we love to. When it's extrinsic or external, it usually means that we're doing it to get some kind of a reward or to avoid some kind of uncomfortable situation or some kind of punishment. So when we break this down, we get all these different, this whole spectrum here. So on the far left... Uh, from, okay, I don't want to do anything. The next step is we're just doing it to get some kind of basic reward. So this would be, we're just working because we need our paycheck. There's no other reason. We don't care about our job. We just need the money or we're just working to avoid having no money. You know, the punishment of, of being, you know, financially challenged or, or not being able to do things we want to do. As we move a little further up the spectrum, we might be looking for more complex rewards. We might be doing it to get the approval of other people. Um, you know, to um, to sort of shape and to feel good about ourselves, okay? As we move a little further up again, we're doing it because it's important, because it has really high value to us. And then as we move up the spectrum one more, we're doing it because it's who we, how we see ourselves. We're doing it because we see ourselves as the type of person who does that thing. So actually, we're, we're kind of, as riders, we're kind of existing on the middle to right side of this spectrum. Um, sometimes we're, we're doing, we're going through the motions of everything we need to do around equestrian sport because it's important to us and we know it has value, even if maybe we're not loving every second of it, right? Or maybe we're doing it because we see it as who we are. We see ourselves as riders. We see ourselves as the type of people who engages in, in these activities, who works hard, who's persistent. And we dip in and out of this feeling of just pure enjoyment of the activity. Sometimes maybe we dip even a little further down the spectrum, right? Maybe we're doing it to get the approval of our coach or, or peers. You know, maybe some aspect of what we're doing around sport is, is there. Um, or maybe we're, we're just looking for some kind of basic reward. Um, you know, uh, maybe we're just doing it to feel... Uh, like, you know, we can get the ribbon or win the show. But most of us, right, we're usually up on the right side of the spectrum. So here are some things that can help us stay on the right side of the spectrum. Um, and when, the more we're on the right side of the spectrum, the more energized we feel, and the less effort we feel is required to, to take action and do everything we need to do. So some of the essential agreements are remembering and really leaning into our own sense of autonomy around what we're doing. So we ever catch ourselves falling into language of, oh, I have to go ride today. I have to do this thing. I have to do that. We, it can really help to remind ourselves that we've actually chosen to engage in these activities and that we have the choice to stop should we want to. We could walk away from a question sport tomorrow, but we're unlikely to do that because we're choosing to engage in, these, in this work. Reminding of ourselves of that 
and also looking for ways where we can really build in even more in, of a sense of choice and control over how we're um, spending our time in equestrian sport and the types of uh, activities and, and um, you know, pursuits that we have in that realm of our lives is going to keep us even further engaged on the right side of that spectrum. So reminding ourselves, I've chosen this. I get to do this. This is my choice. Number two, we feel much more energized and motivated when we can really track our own progress in something, when we can really see our competence or our mastery in something developing. So if we can really watch for those small steps of improvement, and yes, we may all have those big goals that are out in front of us that we're moving towards, but can we really track our progress along the way and say, hey, like, look how much better my horse is bending to the right than they were a month ago. It's something so small, but something maybe to celebrate. Um, hey, you know, my leg position has actually really improved here. I've been really thinking about that over the last couple of weeks, and I can really feel the difference. Hey, my core has gotten a little bit stronger, and I'm starting to notice the impact that's having on my sitting trot. So all those tiny little moments where you can say, hey, this is working, this is moving in the right direction. It might just be a small change or a small step, but it's meaningful. All Recognizing those moments helps us really build a sense of, yeah, I'm improving here, I'm developing my mastery, um, I'm getting good at this, and that really helps keep us on the right side of the spectrum. Interestingly, anytime we can build a sense of relatedness, so really leaning into building community around us, developing a sense of connection and belonging with the group of people that we're, that we're working with in that area can be really useful. So I think we all do this in some way naturally through the sport. You know, we build connections with the people around us, but leaning into that when we're feeling like we're struggling with our motivation can be really helpful. You know, bring a friend with you for, for the next ride, you know, team up to train on train something together, um, you know, work together for a ride to, to help each other work through a specific challenge. Um, anytime we can lean into that will help. When we can really pull our identity into this as well and say, actually, you know, remind ourselves, this is who I want to be. I want to be the person who dedicates this much time to equestrian sport. I want to be the person who has this as a part of my life. Um, when we feel ourselves slipping in our motivation and our sense of purpose, really anchoring our identity in that and saying, no, this is, my, again, my choice. It's my choice to be this person. This is important to me. can be really useful. And lastly, if we can harness curiosity and interest. So on the days where it feels like it's a bit of a drag, maybe we're um, just going through the motions, we're tired, and again, that sense of motivation is low, asking ourselves, right, what can I get really curious about here? Uh, what can I learn? What could I quickly read about that I could apply to my next ride? You know, what is it that I actually really want to improve? What's that thing that's been bugging me? Like, what could I read or look at or talk to someone about um, that would add to my knowledge and give me something new to try here? And that can really help fuel staying up on that right side as well. Okay, so hopefully these are all resonating with you guys and there's a few ideas coming to mind as to how we could start um, using these little elements to help move our motivation up the spectrum when we need it to. But overall, what I really want to lean into is the fact that this is a skill. Learning how to manage our sense of wanting to do something and fueling our energy around something is very much a skill and has nothing to do with our natural talent in one area or another. It is something that we have all um, we all have the task of, of working at and improving. And as we'll talk about in a moment, the more we can do this, the more we can take action 
And that's really the core of, of what we need to be doing. So motivation is just the sense of whether or not we want to do something. Okay. Um, any questions about that before we move on? Any of those elements for uh, boosting a sense of motivation? All good? Okay. It's just that number four was missing. Was it? Oh my gosh, hilarious. Oh yeah, three to five. I must have had something to You're like, what's four? I thought four was going to be a really That's big one. That's special ingredient. You'll only get that when you're ready. <laughs> uh, okay, so next myth is the idea that if I'm not feeling motivated, it means that I don't care enough. So has anybody here ever felt super guilty about the fact that you don't want to go to the barn in the morning? <laughs> It's really funny, isn't it? Like, so I'll share a story. So this is a picture of me when I was probably like 20, 21. It's Ringo, um, my, my lovely gelding there. So at this stage in my life, I was battling with so much guilt around not being constantly motivated. And so in other words, not feeling like I wanted to do it all the time. I was working very, very hard as a working student. So if anyone who's done that knows that there's a heck of a lot of, of effort that goes into that. Um, I was exhausted most of the time, <laughs> and although I was loving it, it, you know, it, there was, it was also incredibly challenging, and I had this idea in my head at this age that all the top riders were motivated all the time. They always wanted to jump out of bed every morning and, and do everything, and because I, didn't, I was exhausted, you know, a lot of mornings I didn't want to. I did it anyway, but I didn't want to. I had this feeling of it, it said something about me. It said I wasn't good enough, or I didn't care enough, or I didn't deserve the same type of success. So it was a real turning point for me when someone finally explained to me that actually it doesn't mean anything to not be motivated, that actually not feeling motivated is incredibly natural. Um, it doesn't say anything about you. The only thing that says anything about you is just, is just how persistent you are in the face of that and, and how determined you are to just keep going um, when, when that motivation is, is low or how good you are at recognizing when actually you just really need a rest. And maybe that lack of motivation is, is maybe just a sign that actually you really just need to, to take even just a short break and refuel. So I don't know if you guys remember this from our previous workshops, but the nasty list of emotions is always triggered when we have a, a discrepancy or a misalignment between who we think we should be and what actually happens. So when the boxes don't match, we end up borrowing from this nasty list of emotions. So when we feel like we should be motivated all the time, we should be the type of person who always wants to get up early and muck out all the stalls and, and ride five horses. You know, um, if we think that we should be the type of person who's always brimming over with the energy and the desire to do that, and then, then every time we actually don't feel that, we're going to borrow from this list. We might be disappointed with ourselves. We might feel anxious or stressed about what that says about us. We're going to feel guilty. Maybe ashamed of ourselves, etc. And the more time we spend in this list, you'll remember from previous workshops, the, the bigger negative impact this has on our ability to focus and perform. It's like this big cloud that gets in our way and blocks our thinking in critical moments when we need to be present and actually performing with our horses. So it's really, really important that we drop the guilt here, that we recognize that it's not, there's no requirement to be motivated all the time. And in fact, nobody is motivated all the time. 
And as Nat kind of demonstrated for us earlier there, right, like that even the people who look like they're motivated all the time aren't, aren't actually motivated all the time. They've just figured out how to keep taking action very consistently, uh, which is then making it seem like they're motivated all the time. And that whole misconception is actually driven by our third myth, which we'll, we'll get to here. So before we move on from that, I just want to um, say, you know, give you guys an opportunity to share if you want, like anywhere you felt a, a lot of guilt around not being motivated or anywhere in particular um, that we felt guilty in the past about this, about a lack of motivation. I think a bit like you said, um, when I was apprenticeship on the event yard, um, I do all do all his horses, and it was time to do mine. I just couldn't be bothered to do it. I was like you said, I was knackered. But when I felt really bad because I thought I'm here, I'm meant to be learning. I want to do this eventing. This is what I really want to do. Why why am I not motivated? I'm obviously not not good enough. And like you, I always always thought that like the professional riders were always motivated. They always wanted to get up. They always wanted to ride. It's just not true, mm-hmm. is it? No, it, it's really not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and both, yeah, as I said, exactly the experience um, that I had. And it's amazing how that works its way into your head, right? And you really start to see yourself as being not good enough. And then, as we talked about, right, in other workshops, those beliefs then can have such a detrimental impact on our performance and our ability to show up for ourselves. Absolutely. And also, when I first started sort of coaching, oh, sorry, there's a bit of a delay, sorry. Go on, Hannah. <laughs> Okay, I know. I was I was one of the confidence coach to um, try and explain to my thirteen-year-old self why I wasn't riding. Um, so, I, a thirteen-year-old girl, I was I was horse mad, and I used to mm-hmm. um, work all day just to ride the horses out to the debated to ride, or by te- just explaining to my thirteen-year-old self why I wasn't riding that night and it was like but it, it worked but it probably wasn't it wasn't high up on that list it was more feeding into the guilt rather mm-hmm. than the, the 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 motivation where you they step three and four there you really want to be um but mm-hmm. yeah so it was just quite interesting I just that just came to mind it, I mean it worked to make me ride but uh, like my lack of motivation is usually during the winter when your horse is all lovely and warm in the ruts and you don't want to take them out and get them wet and get them cold. Oh, I just leave you. Don't worry. Right. And, you know, and it's like, yeah, don't have to ride to that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, totally. And like, again, it's not, it's probably not natural to expect ourselves to be motivated to go out into the wet and the cold in the dark, right? <laughs> and and get, and get our horses out of their nice cozy blankets. Yeah. And so... If we, I think you're right, Han. I think that I can see how that would would work in some context, but I think maybe it is tapping into guilt um, in a way. And so I think that while that might work in some context, there may be other ways to move through that that help you let go of the guilt around it. Because um, your 13 year old self, although they were horse mad, also didn't have half the, the responsibility of your of your current self. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a reality there, right? So the fact that you have, do have a lot going on and we're tired and, and life is complicated. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, well, we'll dive into the next one then because that's going to give us some ideas around how to, um, how to move through that. So motivation myth number three is whether or not I feel motivated 
directly impacts my ability to take action. So the idea that I can't do it, I can't go and do it if I'm not motivated. I can't, like, I'm not going to be able to get out there and ride my horse if I, I don't want to. If I don't have the feeling of wanting to be able to do it, of wanting to do it rather, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, or it's going to be nearly impossible to talk myself into it. because we we often can feel like this is incredibly true so um and it causes us to feel like the motivation is controlling us so if i am motivated great i can go do it if i'm not motivated ah, i can't um, and, and then that's saying something about me and we get up in this cycle of guilt so i want to share with you guys that there's this really amazing um thing that's come out of the research around motivation and it's that actually movement or taking action generates motivation as opposed to it being the other way around. So we tend to think that the movement is generated by motivation or motivation generates movement. If I want to do it, I'll go do it. But what we often fail to realize is that taking action, moving, doing something helps us feel more like we want to do it. So has anyone ever had the experience of, okay, so yeah, we've set up, we've got to get up really early to ride. It's winter, it's cold. The alarm goes off. And in that moment, there's no motivation to get out of bed and go muck up the stall and ride the horses. But we drag ourselves out of bed anyway, because, and interestingly, you know, I think that uh, equestrians have a, a leg up on other sports on learning how to do this because we have hungry horses to feed. <laughs> so we can't just sleep in. We can't just, right? And, and we, we have this, this, this deeper sense of, of responsibility to, to feed your horses and cleaning, you know, cleaning up their stalls, getting them outdoors and caring for them that often helps us just go, right? It makes us move regardless of the motivation. So anyway, so we get out of bed because we have hungry horses to feed. We get dressed, we go out, and by the time we're there, maybe we're mucking out stall and maybe the sun's rising it might be cold but you're, you're kind of warm because you're moving now and maybe you've had a cup of coffee and you're actually at that point in time so happy to be there awake in the quiet with your horses going through your morning routine you're you know and you're like can't wait to saddle up and get up get out for that first ride so the motivation wasn't there in bed at 6 a.m when the alarm went off but you did, you took action anyway, you got out of bed, you got going. And then because of taking that action, now when you're doing it, that sense of, yeah, I do want to do this. I am happy to be here, um, kicked in. So a really interesting way of, so, so the question is, right, how do we take more action? How do we get ourselves um, in absence of feeling like we want to? And in the situation where we don't have to, because there isn't a hungry horse to eat, you know, how do we get ourselves to keep moving? So to understand that, we need to understand the difference between motivation and drive. So motivation is just the feeling of wanting to do something. So we can use the analogy here of feeling hungry versus actually cooking a meal and eating it for ourselves. So if we are hungry, it stands to reason that we'll take action, cook a meal, and eat it. And it's easy to think too that like if we're not hungry, why would we why would we cook a meal? Why would we go to that trouble and take action? But if we look at it closer, we can also realize that if even if we're not hungry, if we know that we need to eat because we haven't eaten all day, 
we can start cooking a meal for ourselves. And as we do that and it starts to come together on the plate and the smells are coming together, then we're likely to feel hungry. That hunger kind of kicks in. So the question is, what are the actions that we need to take in order to then help us get to that point of no return where we're, we're doing it, we're there, and that motivation will help, will, will sort of kick in then. And so this is the secret that a lot of really um, hardworking people have figured out, the people who managed to get a lot done, is that they realize that there's no point waiting for motivation to show up. Um, it won't just appear naturally. What we've got to do is actually just take action and trust that the motivation will follow. And sometimes it'll be there really strongly, and other times it'll be a bit weaker. Um, but we're, what we're doing here is we're taking the emphasis away from the feeling. So the, the important part isn't the feeling, it's actually just taking action and trusting that that will generate more of a feeling we want to do it. So there's two responses, two choices that we have when we're not motivated. We can either figure out how to take action, or we can consider the fact that, and in some cases this is very true, that actually we need to just rest. And so there might be the odd night where we just don't have it in us to ride. And if we choose then to not ride, we need to make that choice and then let ourselves off the hook for it, not beat ourselves up over it for the whole night and tell ourselves that we're, we're terrible horse moms and, and all the rest because we haven't gotten horse up. So we need to think of it as a very clear choice. Either we choose to take action, and we'll talk about how to do that in a second, or we choose to rest. And we see the value in that. We see it as a moment to recharge. And we lean into that wholeheartedly, take that opportunity to rest and recharge, and come back to everything fresher the next day. So it's really linked in here with the letting go of that guilt. So part of what we can do um, to connect into this sense of drive of how do we take action even when we don't want to is getting really in touch with our values. So values are things that are truly important to you. So I want everyone to just jot down there or think in their head, what are a few things that are really, really important to you about the way that you live your life in a broader sense, so even bigger than as an equestrian, really thinking about who you are as a person in all aspects of your life What's really important to you? Some different examples of values might be um, the honesty. It could be really important to you to show up honestly for yourself and be honest with other people. It could be something like adventure or, or um, exciting experiences. It might be really important to you to seek out adventure and have you know, big, um, rich experiences in your life. It might be really important to you to have stability and security around you. So the things that are important to us, the things that we value, really drive our behavior, even if we're not aware of them. So it can be quite interesting to think about and get in touch with what are those values? What are the things that are really important to me? So uh, the questions we can ask ourselves to sort of uncover them are, yeah, what's truly important to me? Um, how do I want to be perceived by other people? The answer to that can be very interesting. Um, another way of getting to figuring out what our values are is by thinking about conflict. So when are we in conflict with other people? And what's at the root of that conflict? So what really pisses us off when other people don't do something? So does it really bug you when someone lies to you? Does it really bug you when somebody is always late? 
that's the case, you might value, you know, punctuality, <laughs> right? So often the thing that the other person does that's really irritating in that conflict gives us a little bit of an insight about what's really important to us. So this is something that's worth, you know, considering and spending a bit of time thinking about. And once we start to get more clear on those values, we can start to ask ourselves, right, well, how does riding connect into this? How does riding help me live to those values? So three of my top values are connection, determination, and adventure. And I just figured those out for myself by asking myself a lot of questions and looking at lots of different values and thinking about what really resonated with me. Um, so now that I know those, those were always driving my behavior anyway, regardless of whether or not I was aware of them. And I can see evidence of that throughout my whole life, you know. But now that I'm aware of them, I can say, right, well, how is riding really connecting with that? So it helps me seek adventure because it, you know, it's a, it's a big, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of adventure in question course, especially I do three-day eventing, so that sense of, you know, being on the edge and, and taking on big challenges. Um, it helps me live to connection because it really feels connection with the community. That's really important to me. And then also, as we all know, that, that sense of connection with the horse is such a unique and singular and wonderful experience. Um, and it helps me live to determination because it gives me something to funnel my determination into and, and work on my determination through. It gives me challenges to come up against and, and practice determination against. So knowing that then helps me have clarity about why I'm going to go do these things even when I don't want to in a way that's not linked to guilt and more linked into what's truly important to me here. So I might, even though I don't have the motivation tonight, I might go choose to ride because it's, I want to go improve my connection with my horse. And that's really important to me. And just knowing that and thinking that and then bringing that element of choice and saying, yeah, I'm going to choose to do that tonight um, will help me take action. How can I make, uh, and if we, if we identify our values and we're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm really living in full alignment with those values, then we can ask ourselves the question, well, how, what changes could I make in my life to actually live to those values more fully? Sometimes we realize that we're living our values really well um, with other people, but not so much with ourselves. So a lot of us value honesty, and sometimes it's interesting to ask ourselves, well, are we being truly honest with ourselves all the time? And what might what changes might allow me to do that better? So once we know these values, it's just it's an exploration of self-awareness, but it fuels our, our knowledge of ourselves and it gives us really tangible reasons to take action, um, even when that motivation isn't there. So if anybody feels inspired to share the values that are coming up for them in the chat, please do it. It's always really cool to see what other people are thinking. You can inspire other people to, to think of other values as well. before we move back there. So once we have um, a sense of values, that can be really useful. Another thing, another way to just take action is to just get really clear on the, the, the few actions that we need to take that are going to get us moving. So movement is really key here. We just need to get moving. Often once we start something, we build up enough momentum that we're unlikely to, to stop doing it. So when we're feeling really overwhelmed and the lack of motivation is coming from a sense of overwhelm and exhaustion and, and overthinking, what can be incredibly useful is to just think, right, what do I just need to do next? Maybe I just need to throw on my riding gear, pick up my keys and get in the car and drive to the barn. And once I'm there, I just need to, um, you know, get my stuff, get my tack, throw it over and just, and just start, and just start riding. And maybe I don't have a fully intense training ride tonight. You know, maybe I just do a nice long, low, stretchy ride. 
but I'm there, I'm moving, I'm doing something, and it's better than not going at all. So what are those, what are those basic um, things that I need to do? What are the first few things that I need to do in order to just get me moving? And just focus on those, you know, instead of focusing on the whole overwhelming picture of what am I going to do with my horse when I get there and what do I need to practice, just focusing on those next few steps can help us move. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, loyalty, integrity, courage, love those. Yeah, so you can really, I mean, you'll have your own ways of tying these in. I can think of lots of cool ways that those tie into into riding. Think about how you how those apply to yourself. So it can be really interesting to consider um, how can we be more loyal to ourselves, right? We often think about loyalty in the context of other people. But we've talked a lot in these workshops around the importance of believing in ourselves, of having that trust in ourselves and our skills, trusting that the work we've put in is valid and is going to show results for us, that those skills are there when we need them. So maybe part of being loyal to yourself is actually trusting in yourself, right? In the same way that you trust your friend um, to do, you know, to, to be there when you need them. Can we trust ourselves and trust our skills to be there when we need them? So having that as a value might help you place more importance on developing that self-belief and leaning into that self-belief, being more of that rider A, working on that rider A more at the time. Um, yeah, so those are really cool ones, great ones. And it's always interesting, once you've, once you've named your values, to really kind of dig into them and get curious about them and say, right, how could this, how does knowing these inform my knowledge, understanding of my own behavior? How can I see where these have driven my decisions and choices? And how can I use these to help me make choices and decisions in difficult moments in the future? Very cool. So what are those first few actions? And so just thinking about what are the first few things I can do to take action um, can be really, really useful and just get the ball uh, rolling. And maybe it means that we don't do the full thing that we planned. Maybe, as I said, just a, a stretchy ride, or maybe we just go for a hack instead of the jump school. But um, just focusing on those actions will get us there, and, and it gives us better consistency than not going at all. And would you say that... Um a good routine kind of helps because you're already in the routine so it's actually harder to break the routine just because you're not motivated than it would be to go through totally, with it. yeah yeah the power of routine routine is like a sequence of habits really that we kind of like link together and we just do it because that's what we always do so yeah if we have a really good routine of just always going to the barn you know every day at this time or, or whatever it is um then the fact that that's just what we do all the time will definitely help us to take action. So you're kind um, of less reliant on the motivation. It's more of just a habit now. Totally, yeah. Totally, yeah. Um, but it's um, remember, too, that even within that, even if we have the best routine ever, this motivation thing will still kind of creep up to haunt us sometimes. So we can help, we can help keep our routine solid. So, so sometimes when we feel lack of motivation that can derail our routine um or the guilt that we pull in then around that can kind of derail our routine so if we can just uh recognize that even the best routine has difficult days um and that we always are just going to face this choice to, to push through the routine and we can do that by connecting with the values just focusing on the next steps um and or there's always going to be days where the routine you know the odd day where the routine changes and maybe we do just need to rest that day. Um, and that again, recognizing the value of that and taking the odd day out to, to rest and, and recharge or do something different 
and recognizing that can help us come back to our routine the next day, feeling refreshed and, and even more present, um, can be a real game changer. identity is a really interesting thing to anchor into as well, especially when we're trying to, to power up this sense of drive. So I want everyone to think about right now, and maybe jot it down for yourself, feel free to share a bigger if you like. Um, if you had to describe yourself as a rider to someone else, how would you describe yourself um, in terms of the sort of characteristics that you, just, that you display as an equestrian? So would you describe yourself as as um, pretty brave, um, but sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes nervous, um, someone who is pretty consistent, someone who struggles with anxiety, someone who um, is really dedicated, you know, how would you, how would you describe yourself? And the reason I ask is because we all see ourselves in a certain way. And the way that we see ourselves very much generated by our beliefs and our um, our uh, the ideas that we have that are formed about ourselves that then solidify up into beliefs. And just like values, that identity is there under the surface influencing us, whether or not we're aware of it. And so if we can become more aware of the way that we see ourselves, we can understand how that's driving our behavior and maybe make a few tweaks and changes um, to help. So if we see ourselves as someone who isn't motivated enough, you know, who is um, who's not dedicated enough, who isn't working hard enough all the time, then that can, um, that can kind of come up to haunt us. Because if we see ourselves as that person, we're more likely to actually not take action when we're in those tricky moments where the motivation is, isn't there because we see ourselves as the person who doesn't do that. So if we can shift towards seeing ourselves as someone who's developing uh, motivation more as a skill and as, as someone who's not going to rely on motivation as their main driver of their behavior, as someone who is um, who's going to be really empathetic and kind with themselves when they're not feeling motivated and just make the decision as to whether or not they're going to take action anyway or rest, that can help us actually follow through and do those things in those moments uh, when we need to. Confident but distracted. Interesting, yeah. So that's um, interesting to think about, Natalie. So just have a think for yourself, like, where did those ideas start for you? Like, where did you get the idea that you were are a confident rider? Where did the idea that you're a distracted person or a distracted rider come up? It may have been feedback from coaches. It may have been uh, feedback from your peers. It may have just been feedback that you got sort of yourself from assessing what happens to you and the results that you got and what you're able to accomplish. Um, so where did that come from? Cautiously willing, but get in my own way. Okay, yes. So for you, Hannah, um, again, that started as an idea somewhere. So the idea that you are blocking yourself or, or that you're likely to keep blocking yourself um, started as an idea somewhere and now sort of firmed up and become part of, of who you are, how you see yourself to be. So, so if, if we can take the parts of our identity that we don't feel good about, that we feel, feel held back by, whether that's being distracted or feeling like we're getting in our own way, and if we can intentionally say, right, 
this is maybe who I've been in the past, but I'm actually going to start learning how to develop more skill in this area. So I'm going to start working on my focus. I'm going to be someone who's learning to have better focus instead of saying I'm someone who's distracted. So it may seem like a really small shift, but it's a really important shift. Because if we see ourselves as the person who's learning to get be more focused, we're more likely to take action uh, in that direction. Whereas if we see ourselves as being distracted, uh, someone who's distracted, we're more likely to be like, oh yeah, I'm distracted again, that's just me, and not take any action around that. Similarly, if we feel like we're getting up in our own way a lot, um, if we just oh, if we say, oh yeah, that's that thing I do, I always do that, um, then we're less likely to take action and say, right, how could I learn how to not get in my way? How am I getting in my own way? If we can get more curious about it and see it as a set of skills that we just need to develop strength in, uh, we're much more likely to feel uh, motivated. Again, we're bringing in control, a sense of control and choice there. It gives us the power to choose to develop those skills. That's going to help us feel more motivated in, in that um, period as well. Your thoughts become things. Yeah, I think I'm distracted. I become more distracted. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing how powerful that is and how real that is. Um, how much our thinking translates into our reality then because of the way that it shapes our actions. Absolutely. So I want to challenge everyone here today to really think about what are those parts of their identity that make them a bit uncomfortable, that they feel maybe a bit stuck with. Um, and I, interestingly, I used to see myself as someone who was really unlucky because I had a lot of things happen, like I had a lot of um, horses go lame and different things happen, you know, kind of key moments in, in my riding career. And I really, based off of that, started to really see myself as an unlucky rider, right? And I took that in almost as a part of my identity. And what that, for a while, what that caused me to do was to, every time something went wrong, I was like, oh, God, you know, there's that luck again. I was very defeatist. And I, I gave away the control over my outcomes to this vague notion of luck instead of really taking action to, to address those challenges and, and find solutions. And as I figured that out, I was able to change my behavior. Um, capable but doubts my own capabilities lacks belief. Okay, so for you, Karen, think about what would it be like to be someone who's actively learning how to believe in themselves more, who's actively seeking out the skills that they need to um, to develop and practice that self-belief. And could we let go of the idea that, that's, that a lack of self-belief or, or self-doubt is actually part of you and just see that as, as a process that you're moving through and will move out of to a phase where you are the, to a point where you are the person who, who has more or lots of self-belief. So believing in the, the ability, our own ability to develop these qualities within ourselves is so, so important. Um, focused and dedicated, but realistic. Okay, brilliantly. So um, thinking again for yourself, really interesting to consider where did where did those ideas for yourself come from? Like, where did the your your understanding of yourself as focused and dedicated and realistic come from? And how might you leverage that identity again in those difficult moments um, where you know where that sense of, of wanting to take action is scarce? Well, that thanks for sharing those guys. up here what can we do what are the actions we can take right so first of all can we focus on choice can we remind ourselves that we have a choice here and that we are actively choosing to engage um, in all elements of our sport 
Can we track and celebrate our progress? This is such a big one. It really gives ourselves permission to, to celebrate and enjoy those small steps of progress. And to do that, we have to quiet the, the nattery voice in our head that's going, oh, that's stupid. That's, you know, that's only such a small improvement. Look at Sally over there. She's five times ahead of you. Um, <laughs> and really just think, oh, I'm going to own this small step of progress. And I'm going to, whether that's for myself or my horse that I'm training, I'm going to recognize that and celebrate it even just for a moment. And then can we engage in community? Can we gather people on board? Can we work together and collaborate to help move through difficult times or, or to help us uh, learn skills that we're having a hard time learning? Thinking about connecting with who, uh, the disciple there, sorry, who you want to be and what's important to you. And thinking about, you know, we get to design our identity. We don't, we're not just stuck with who we've always been. We get to choose what elements of ourselves we want to develop and, and progress. And we also get to choose what's important to us. So becoming aware of our values is just the first step. We can then work with those values and shape them and change them if we want to um, in order to really design um, who we are. We need to remember not to worry about experiencing low motivation. And remember that it's not a reflection of your passion or your ability. It doesn't say anything about how much you love riding or how much you care about riding or how good you are or how much you deserve success. It's just a natural part of being a human. So can we let go of the guilt and just get into curiosity instead? Remember that we have the choice every time we're not motivated to either take action anyway or to rest and fully take that rest and, um, and really take the benefits of it. And can we think about just taking action first so not worrying so much about the lack of motivation and just focusing on the action instead? And um, we talked about bringing in the values and then also just about just thinking about what are the what are the few steps that I need to take? What are the first few things I need to do to get me moving um, in the right direction? Okay, so a little challenge for you guys then over the next couple of weeks. I want everyone to really think about this stuff and think, pay attention to different uh, points in your life. Get to know your own motivation spectrum a little bit better. Notice when you're feeling motivated. Notice when you're, when you're not at all. Um, play around with these different ideas. Think about your values. Think about who you are. How do you see yourself? And see if you can start to form a new relationship with motivation. To see it as a skill or a resource that you can harness when you need that you can develop and when you need and that you can actually take action um, without if you need to. So even if that motivation is not there, you can do it anyway or you can choose to rest. Okay, so that is a wrap for the slide. So do you guys have any questions or any takeaways that you want to share with the game? I just think it's really good how you kind of touched on the taking action first because it's quite a big one that pops up when people are like, oh, can't be bothered I'm not really motivated to do more the workouts and things like that and I just say go and do something go for a walk clean the house do the ironing do something and you getting that movement like you said will then kind of inspire you to go and do your workout so I guess it's kind of the same thing like uh my routine is I go to the horses, come back, put my gym stuff on. So I'm already kind of in the gear. So I'm halfway there to be motivated to do the workout. And putting that gear on is kind of my action to get ready to do it. And I guess it's like you said, picking up your car keys, putting on your boots, going to the yard. That's kind of the action, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Totally, yeah. And once we've done those things, we're very unlikely... Like once you're in your workout gear, you're unlikely to stop and change back out of it and not work out. 
once we've driven to the barn, we're unlikely to you know, not go through the process of doing what we need to do there. So it's like the the bare minimum actions that we need to take to just get ourselves moving. If we just focus on those, it just gets the ball rolling. And then often the motivation comes in as a nice surprise at that stage. We're like, oh yeah, actually, happy enough to work out now, or I'm happy I'm here. Yeah, like nine times out of ten, when you <laughs> can't be bothered to ride, you always end up having the best ride. <laughs> Is there such a thing as too much motivation? <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I, I, I ask that. Yeah. that I can actually feel guilty because I want to um, and I put all... <laughs> I, I do it almost the opposite where you've got... Um, my priorities are for the horses, for um, what I want to achieve. <laughs> quite selfishly and then I have to sort of sometimes I feel guilty for thinking well um, I've supposed to be stuck at the computer all day and I've gone out for a nice ride and then I've schooled one and then I've come in and then I work in the evening when he then has to maybe do something and put Reuben to bed or something Mm -hmm. so my priorities are so I can feel sometimes too much (laughs) yeah I do it seven workouts straight after each other (laughs) yeah I think that that is it's interesting. I think for you, it's almost like the the guilt you're feeling guilty because you're not as motivated to do stuff outside of riding. Potentially, like riding is the easy part, and so you're heavily in that that far right of the spectrum, right? Like you love it so much that you're just like, yes, like this is all I want to do, right? I'm a 13 year old child constantly. I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh golly, it's raining. I don't want to go. To my God. I can't wait to go and say good morning. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's amazing, right? And but but then as you say, like it presents it presents other challenges. It's amazing how that that guilt still sneaks in for you, right? It's just that it's it's around. Yeah, because I haven't put my child on the bus. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe <laughs> lunch. <laughs> yeah. So it might be interesting to think about. So like if if you're if you're wanting to feel if you're seeking more balance in that area, maybe you aren't, maybe you aren't. But if you are, it might be interesting to think about applying the values to the other areas of your life. So. How could I live to those values outside of riding more authentically? And even just making a few small changes might sort of tweak that and find and balance that out for you in a way that might help you feel more fulfilled across the board. Um, and then also, I think just again remembering to, to let go of the guilt um, to to remember that again, just like no one, maybe yourself, like there's no always motivated to go ride the horses, so we're not always motivated to to do everything we do for our kids or like, like there's always areas where we're going to feel like we should want to do something more. And then we feel guilty when we don't know. And the guilt just gets in the way of everything. It just muddles up the picture and prevents us from figuring out what we can actually do to improve the situation. So try let go of that guilt wherever you can and just think about, yeah, I would say do that in reverse, you know, think about applying the different principles we talked about today to the other areas of your life, and just maybe interesting as an experiment, um, to see if that balances things out even a tiny bit. Thank you. Yeah. Can we, um, can we use the same tools for food when it comes to motivation and guilt? Yes, absolutely. Is it transferable? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think that we often feel so much guilt around our eating, okay? Um, and so if we can remember that again, just like we're not, like, we're not going to be motivated to eat healthy all the time. And again, that goes way back to early, like that natural motivation to actually load up on carbs and sugars (laughs) is, is like linked to our survival and it's an old thing. And so 
again, it's super normal to crave those types of food. Also, what's really, really important, I just attended a really interesting workshop recently on the impact of like the menstrual cycle for women and talking about how our hormones are like, I've never seen a chart, this is all news to me, so my mind's still blown about it. But like, have you ever seen a chart of females' hormones through the month? Like, there's literally no day where our hormones are the same. Like, there's like all of the map, like craziness. And so, it's actually very unrealistic for us to expect ourselves to feel the same every day and to never have different cravings and stuff because all of that is regulated by our hormones and our hormones are are wacky. So again, like dropping the guilt around that and just saying, right, okay using the same tools so either I know the, the actions I need to take to get myself eating healthier and I follow those actions regardless of whether or not I want to or if I really just want to have a burger I go for it I eat the burger I enjoy the burger I enjoy every mouthful I don't feel guilty about it and I just start with the routine again the next day yeah I think when Otherwise, it comes to food it's really important that you drop the guilt straight away isn't it totally yeah it can actually, the more we hang on to the guilt, the more likely we are to actually keep engaging in eating in a way that we don't want to, um, which can then cause problems. Whereas like every once in a while eating, like you know, having something is not an issue as long as we just let go of the guilt and get back to the way that we want to be eating, you know, in the next couple of days. But the guilt will hang on to us and then cause us to feel like we've blown it and da, 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 and, and we, and then, you know, what's the point of even trying this? And it can cause, um, kind of a, a spiral effect. When you end up emotional eating and it's a, it's a, it's a bad spiral. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And then we're not enjoying, and that's really weird too, because then like, we're not actually enjoying what we're eating at all. Usually when we're emotionally eating, cause we're so guilty and so we're so angry at ourselves. Um, and so then it's like, it's like if there's no benefit. <laughs> if you're going to be eating delicious food, like you might as well enjoy it, um, <laughs> you know? So I always really say that. It's like, again, recognize the choice. And if you're choosing to rest or you're choosing to eat, the like just enjoy it. Like go for it. Let go of the guilt. Enjoy it. It's a variety of life, right? Like, and then just come back to it more refreshed the next day. Yeah, once you've made that choice, commit to it, drop the guilt, that's your that's your decision now. You're gonna eat the burger, you've cooked it, it's there. Or you're gonna ride or you're not gonna ride, whatever it might be, you've made the decision, stick to it, move on. <laughs> Even five thousand calorie eclairs. Maybe maybe not that one. <laughs> you can get five thousand calories in an eclair? Oh honestly it was enormous. <laughs> I'm trying to picture like the, the scope of this like flare, like that's amazing. I'll see if I can, I'll see if I can find the picture. <laughs> Please do. I just think I think that that really takes extreme sport to a different level. <laughs> extreme banking. banking. <laughs> yeah, never mind three eventing. <laughs> but yeah, especially if it's a five thousand. I mean, how many times do you get to eat one of those in your life? <laughs> you want to enjoy every moment. <laughs> I think unfortunately you might feel quite sick. I think I wouldn't be able to manage something like that, but it just made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably feel a laughter. Meg or Karen, did you guys have any questions? Anything before we um, wrap up? Um, oh, oh, this is my exactly. I t- tend to struggle with, I don't know how to describe it. It's more like when other people hop in so I'm quite confident on my plan and my particularly with my horse I know what I want to do and I know the way I want to do it and I'm very like happy with that and that's how like 
there's no guilt around my intentions but I find it difficult when people hop in with their opinions on how it should be going mm. um, which I know is nothing like I know it's irrelevant but I get really like quite aggro and quite like and then I doubt myself and I get stuck and it's like then they kind of infiltrate me whereas actually I think if I remove myself from it I'm happy with what I'm doing like it's, that's not the problem but I get quite like um like I absorb it and I get really like oh god maybe I'm doing it wrong for a bit and then so I just 